We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. The bat pulls. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell, and for the next 54 minutes or so, we're going to excite, entertain, elucidate, and educate you with news, information, and discussion about your favorite geeks. This is Fantastic Forum, and thank you very much for listening. First, some genre-related news before we get to today's show, and I'm playing catch-up as I was traveling on family business last weekend, so some of this is actually two weeks old. June 1st marked the 35th anniversary of the debut of Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. The movie was a seminal moment for the Star Trek franchise for a variety of reasons. It featured the return from the dead of Mr. Spock, the death of Captain Kirk's only son, the destruction of the USS Enterprise, and the feature film directorial debut of Leonard Nimoy. The movie is one of the more beloved entries in the series. Streaming service DC Universe debuted its latest series, Swamp Thing, on May 31st. And on June 6th, it announced the cancellation of the show after airing of a single episode. The second episode dropped on June 7th. There is considerable controversy surrounding the decision and questions about how this may impact DC Universe in the face of parent company Warner Brothers' launch of its own streaming service later this year. But one way or another, Swamp Thing is being drained. The remainder of the season will air, but one wonders how invested the audience can get with the knowledge that nothing follows. I sure hope they don't end on a cliffhanger. Sci-Fi Channel Superman prequel series Krypton returned for its second season on Wednesday, June 12th. The show features Cameron Cuff as Seg L, Superman's grandfather, Georgina Campbell, no relation, as Light Azad, and Colin Salmon as General Zod. This season will also include such well-known super baddies as Doomsday and Lobo. Krypton airs on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Sci-Fi Channel. Check your local listings for the station in your area. This weekend is one of the better comic conventions on the East Coast, as Heroes Convention convenes in Charlotte, North Carolina. The brainchild of Shelton Drum of Heroes Aren't Hard to Find Comic Book Store, the con is in its 37th year of existence. Trust me, you'll have a blast at this show. They always have a rack of terrific comic industry talent and one of the largest artist alleys you'll see outside of New York Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con. Check out the website for more info at heroesonline.com. Heroes Convention runs through tomorrow. The Annecy International Film Festival closes out today in Annecy, France. And quite a bit of news and information about numerous upcoming animated cartoon projects came out of there this week, including a reboot of the classic Chip and Dale characters due for streaming service Disney+. We've got images on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash fantasticforum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, too. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. And some big genre film openings as the summer movie season starts to heat up. Last week saw what is now the final entry in the Fox X series, X-Men Dark Phoenix. And yesterday, the latest in the Men in Black series opened nationwide. We're talking about those movies and a whole lot more on today's show. But first, the official FF review of Dark Phoenix. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Since the beginning of this golden age of geeks, when comic book properties gained mainstream notoriety, I've generally been successful at separating my feelings for the original comic source material and whichever the latest television series or movie to borrow and present the material as an adaptation. With X-Men Dark Phoenix, I'm seriously challenged. Mainly because the X-Men from that particular arc are special to me, and to a lot of other fans too. The X-Men 
while they debuted in 1963, failed to reach the prominence of other Marvel super teams like the Fantastic Four or the Avengers. In fact, X-Men slipped into near obscurity in 1970 and began publishing reprint stories. They appeared for the next several years as supporting characters in other heroes' books. Then, in 1975, the Merry Mutants were revived by Lynn Wein and Dave Cockrum in a giant-sized story that debuted an all-new X-Men team that featured heroes whose names would soon become well-known in the annals of popular culture. Colossus, Nightcrawler, Storm, and Wolverine. I was all in. Ween gave way to long-running ex-scribe Chris Claremont immediately, and it was a scant eight issues into the all-new, all-different X-Men that Phoenix made her first appearance. And that took the team on a roller coaster ride over the next 35 issues that introduced talent and characters that would impact the Marvel Comics universe going forward. Cockrum was replaced by John Byrne. I didn't think anybody but Dave Cockrum could draw the book. But Byrne, inked by Terry Austin, turned in phenomenal work. In fact, the stories and characters under the direction of Claremont and Byrne had a similar influence on the Marvel Universe of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's legendary run on the Fantastic Four. And the Phoenix Saga unfolded gradually over a period of three years. And all that is why I had some problems here. While this was the best theatrical representation of the story so far, it still paled in comparison to the comics. However, setting that aside for the moment, X-Men Dark Phoenix was a mostly successful attempt to bring an epic comic story to the screen. Most audiences won't be aware of the shortcomings. This story is built on a pretty solid foundation. It is preceded by X-Men First Class, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse. And is the fourth movie in the series, which has crossed over with the wildly successful pictures directed by Brian Singer, it features established characters portrayed by top-flight performers. James McAvoy as Charles Xavier, Michael Fassbender as Eric Lyncher, and Jennifer Lawrence as Raven are nothing short of brilliant. Other holdovers from previous installments, Nicholas Holt and Evan Peters, are solid, even though Peters doesn't have much to do here. Relative newcomers Ty Sheridan, Alexandra Shipp, and Cody Smith-McPhee are all great. Particularly Shipp as Storm is a much larger part of this movie than her previous role as Furniture in Apocalypse. And then there's Sophie Turner. While lacking extensive credits, those she has are really big. It doesn't get much bigger than Game of Thrones. She's young and on the ascent. And watching her work, you know that there are big things ahead for her. Jessica Chastain is the villain in what amounts to a throwaway part. And it seems a shame to waste this talented actress in such a stereotypical role. In fact, all the heavies, aliens in this case, are stereotypes. Ato Asando is the other performer you're likely to recognize. Oh, and Scott Shepard is Gene's father. So, as the film opens, Charles Xavier and the X-Men are America's media darlings after having saved the world time after time. But Xavier knows that his team of mutants are still only one disaster removed from being returned to their familiar outcast status. And he intends to avoid that at any cost. So when the president calls, Xavier commits his young team to a dangerous rescue mission in space. The X-Men are successful, but Jean Grey is almost killed. Somehow, she emerges from the encounter stronger than ever, and Jean's powers quickly manifest into something that could threaten the world. The movie feels rushed. The comic book story had the leisure to develop slowly, but clocking in at only one hour and 53 minutes, time is a luxury this movie doesn't have. And I have to say that it felt longer than the runtime. Simon Kinberg directs and adapted the story from the original comics creators who are all credited. And he does some good work cherry-picking the key story elements and then dressing it up with enough pathos to evoke compassion from the audience. But it still feels superficial. Hans Zimmer contributes a delightful musical score. There's no nudity, sexual situations, or profanity. But it is pretty violent, although it escapes with a PG-13 rating. I'd still be mindful about taking young children. Despite everything, I liked it but I felt that the movie suffered too much under its own weight. Although there were some really cool Easter eggs, and if you recognize Dazzler, you'll get it. 
But I think the next time someone attempts to adapt this story, they need to do so over two seasons of cable television. Two stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official Fantastic Forum review of X-Men Dark Phoenix, which is in theaters now. So, uh, I would like to introduce my my guest panelists for today. Uh, we are joined by the ever-redoubtable Julian Lytle. Hey, what's going on, people? Yeah, and uh, also the wonderful, talented... Uh, well, actually, uh, this 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 could be either one of you. I'm going to go with uh, Emily Witten, uh, who Hello. of course is a not only uh, uh, an attorney but also a comics journalist and one of the co-writers of the Underfoot, which uh, is available in stores right now. The Mighty Deep, and of course, uh, coming to us uh, special uh, all the way from. Uh, okay, now Brandon, I am uh, I am I am I'm blanking on your outlet. All the way help from me out. space. No, no, no. Help, help me out. Movers and shakers unlimited. Movers and shakers unlimited. Thank you. You know, man, it's tough. Brandon Troy. It's tough keeping all this stuff in your head, man. All right. So, uh, of course, a lot of stuff on the plate for today, and we might as well start with Dark Phoenix because I know Brandon, you have thoughts. Yes, I have thoughts. So I know the general consensus that that I was. Uh, that was coming out about the film is that is absolutely horrible and believe it or not it's not the dumpster fire that a lot of people are, are making it out to be there were things that that I um, that I was able to you know glean or, or pull from that film that were that that I, I understood where they were trying to go and and uh, the attempts that were trying to be made there um, there is a interesting um, article uh, article out there um, for those of you that if you haven't read it it's uh, for a Hollywood reporter actually and it goes into some of like the um, allegedly some of the background things that were happening in terms of the release dates getting changed like constantly and and uh, some of the other things that were going into play with the production that kind of that that provided provides insight into what we got um, but uh, with that said, there were things that that were <laughs> that 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 were unfortunate about the film, and I and I I feel like indirectly there is another film that kind of that in a large way in large way influenced this film, and that's Captain Marvel. Um, because it, one one uh, title that I feel like I would give to that film is that it's the film that. Captain Marvel, the film that stole the thunder of Dark Phoenix, mm -hmm. because they're uh, apparently I don't think a lot Captain of. Marvel, I, I'm pretty sure this one actually got done before Captain Marvel. It did, but the thing, so the reason why I bring could this have possibly been influenced sure, by Captain sure. Marvel. So the reason being is there, there were a lot of reshoots that were done um, apparently with Dark Phoenix, where they were going to have the ending that we got for the film was going to be far different than the one that was released where there was supposed to be apparently a, a huge battle that was happening you know out in space and even with the characters that we have with uh the 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 alien characters that we have there is another race of of aliens that have those same abilities in the Marvel universe that we actually got in Captain Marvel, and there there's been a lot of. I, I think you, know, you can just spoil it now. It's pretty open. Is, they're bas yeah. They basically should have been scrolls. So. Um, oh, you're saying the um, the alien? Well, the, sorry, the aliens that they had as the Dabari. Yeah. Uh, who of course were initially, uh, you know were the alien that that was the alien planet that Phoenix destroyed in the comic right. books. And they did at and, least look similar to some of the art from the comics. I mean, different coloring, but at least sort of similar. So. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, I've heard them called the uh, like asparagus people or something <laughs> in the, uh, yeah, in the, 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 the comic book. Folks, yeah, yeah. broccoli. Bro I knew it was some kind of vegetable. But didn't they, didn't they mm -hmm. kind of look rounded like that? It's been a while since I actually read. I have the Dark Phoenix saga, but it's been a while. Were they were they more like broccoli than that? I can't remember. Yes. I remember they were they, green. Their hair is. Oh, they're the, okay. They call the broccoli people because they look. Well, then they should have like just broccoli. given them broccoli hair. I don't know why they didn't. Oh, they were supposed <laughs> to be scrolls. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm kind of glad they made the change. 
Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I mean that that that's fine. And uh, I'm uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because I, I I sort of said it all in in my review, and I wish. I mean, for those of you who got a chance to hear it, I mean, you know, it, just to pull the curtain aside, uh, we're getting ready. We're doing things in in the. Uh, in the lead up to the show to where it isn't like I have my guests sitting here listening to every utterance before we come on. But the bottom line was, and you can't see, I'm wearing my X-Men t-shirt from that era because I'm not joking. The X-Men were were really important to me. I don't give a rat's ass about them now. But at the time, Blasphemy. that particular, no, at the time, <laughs> that particular X-Team, I mean, I liked the original X-Men. I liked the all new X-Men. I liked him at the beginning with Len Wein writing and Cockrum, uh, yeah, although Wein was gone right after Giant Size X-Men number one. Cockrum, uh, Claremont basically took over uh, with the X-Men 94. But I, I loved that stuff. And the fact that the whole Phoenix storyline had a chance to evolve organically and it, any adaptation and you know don't get me wrong i mean they they did the best they could you know i thought this guy um actually cherry picked pretty well in terms of what he pulled out of the comics but the problem is the whole story is just one that does not easily translate into i mean especially this thing was less than two hours long on top of everything it felt longer but it was it was less than two hours long and so, and I liked it on top of everything. I know some of the comments I'm making, it may seem as if uh, I'm, I'm being unusually critical of, of it. But, you know, you had some terrific actors in the thing. I mean, got anything where you've got um, Michael Fassbender. And then, I mean, this guy who played Xavier, uh, what's his face? James McAvoy. Oh, yeah, McAvoy. Oh, my God. I mean, all you got to, let me tell you something. If you haven't seen Split, see that, <laughs> and you'll know this guy's talent as an actor. You know, so you put those guys, and then Jennifer Lawrence in there, and um, a little young girl, you know, from uh, Game of Thrones. Um, Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner, Sophie Turner. thank you. Really yes. Yeah. Was. You know, yeah, so you had some really great performers in this movie. And then, you know, they had the Easter eggs. I mean, that little bit with Dazzler. Dazzler I was right? like, oh, oh my I God, laughed Dazzler. out loud. <laughs> so I, I just came from this literally today. I just saw it. So my thoughts are still kind of settling in. But I laughed out loud in the theater when I saw Dazzler. <laughs> I was like, they did. Oh, they totally put her in there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was actually, I mean, that was a throwaway panel or two from one of the comic books, you know, because yeah. they went to a Dazzler concert. So anyway, I mean, but it was, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. And, I, and I, it really, the problem here, I think, is that this is the end of the Fox X movies, because Marvel now has reacquired the rights uh, through this merger with Fox and, um, well, basically, I'm sorry, the acquisition uh, of, of Fox. And so everybody knows, well, this is it. It's all done. Uh, no more of this and whatever more we see of the X-Men is going to be something different. And so there's just a general lack of investment on the part of any audience when it comes to looking at this thing. You know, I mean, that, that's what I, I mean, think. I don't know, because I actually enjoyed it fairly well. Um, I mean, I will say, I think there were some parts that were heavy-handed, and there was a lot going on, as you said, Yuli, like, that trying to fit everything in and cherry-pick the best stuff to put in the story. But, I mean, I left the movie feeling like it was pretty satisfying overall. It wasn't, like, my favorite, but I will say I had a few more emotional moments than I have in some other superhero movies recently. Um, you know, there were some cool parts of it. There were some emotional parts of it. I thought the interactions with um, Charles Xavier and Gene were really good and that he did like admit he was wrong. And there's some really interesting stuff in the comics about uh, Professor X, Charles Xavier, and his messing with people's heads and how sometimes he goes too far. And so I thought that was really cool that they actually brought that into this movie and, and wrestled with it a little bit even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I, I pulled up a picture. They, yeah, I mean, you can't see the whole thing, but yes, they sort of do look like broccoli people there. Oh, yeah, wait. They, they yeah, kind of yeah. do. And yeah, also, there we go. That, they kind a, of a look like one. a cross between broccoli, Dr. Seuss characters, <laughs> the Sandman's hair, and something horrifying. 
that's how I would describe them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are the uh, are the original illustration of the Dabari aliens from the uh, X-Men comics featuring Dark Phoenix where she destroyed uh, a star. And basically this this was and this is so critical to what ended up happening because this was a throwaway kind of thing. I think Claremont or Byrne or one of them was like, hey, let's have her blow up this star. And so she destroys the star, kills like five billion people mm -hmm. on this planet. Oh, and a uh, Shi'ar cruiser uh, where the characters look very much like the Star Trek characters. And, uh, you know, then and this was sort of as an aside. And then they were basically because the original story had Jean surviving in the comic book. She was going to be psychically lobotomized to lose her telepath. Well, to lose all of her. Uh, telepathic and telekinetic powers and then Jim Shooter who was the editor-in-chief over at Marvel at the time said you know look this isn't in line with the comics code because comics code says you do some bad stuff and there has to be an appropriate sort of uh, response punishment outcome slash thing basically and so well consequence she, Yuli consequence. consequence thank you yeah there we go exactly and so yeah, five billion people die, and you can't just be psychically lobotomized, is where we are with that. So, anyway. But aside from that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like the play? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you, one thing I will add, and it was another thing, that major thing that mm -hmm. bo bothered yeah, me. Yeah, now don't hold back, man. You were holding was, back through I that was, whole thing, I man. was, uh, yes. was, it's just continuity, and I know a lot of people want to say, but there are a lot of films that don't have continuity. MCU films don't have continuity, and and that's all true. I mean, there's a, a, a effort to make sure that things are connected and that the rules that they establish are, you know, are followed through with. Um, and that didn't happen with this film, because if you recall, like in X-Men Apocalypse, correct me if I'm wrong, she was already Phoenix by the end of the movie when she fought... Apocalypse. She did actually like, demonstrate the manifestation right. of some sort of phoenix power. And I'm yes. like, what is this? Like, how are you going to explain that if she, if, if this entity entered her and, and essentially turned her into the phoenix, even though it, you sort of already established that she's already phoenix. And then on top of that, too, what you have with Days of Future Past, where... Why even bother having that throwaway that you have at the end of the new established, you know, timeline mm -hmm. if you're essentially throwing it out the window and now in order for it to make sense? And I know for most people, it, they don't really care. But for me, like I, I would have to like make the mental footwork to may have that make sense of, OK, the ending of this is going to get to that future that we saw established at the end of days of future past because I'm going to be doing all this lead work to to rationalize how they got there. So I'm always it's always going to be some, it's always going to be something that bothers me. Maybe maybe maybe, not. Knows. maybe they just mess with the timeline again. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like all like hearing everything you're saying lets me know that you actually hate reading X-Men comics. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like straight up. Like everything you're saying is like well, like, how come Jean can do this in this movie? Well, you could say, well, technically she wasn't a Phoenix before the issue she became the Phoenix. But because of retro retconning, they said way back she was born with a little bit of the Phoenix Force, and all grades are, and the Phoenix Force picked that family, and it always goes to one of their members, which is why the Shi'ar tries to kill their whole family. But, again, all this happens. There's a moment in the comics where the original five X-Men come to the future, and they, they spend, like dumb long in the present with the current continuity and it doesn't affect supposedly their past because they don't disappear or nothing and then they go back and nothing happens and you're sitting here like what that like happened within the last five years so in the end i i, I could understand it but in the end it's comic accurate just like seeing thor have a beard and iron man having red and gold armor the x-men having confusing timelines is comic accurate adaptation at work. Told you I didn't give That's a rat's ass fair. about them anymore. <laughs> but I'm saying, while that is a trope, and I, and I, 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 I absolutely I say understand, it's a trope. but I'm saying, while I absolutely understand where you're coming from, in in the context of a a film where you're establishing, you know, a a franchise, and they, I mean, there there are elements that we have, and and people talk about this all the time of adaptations and how it can't be exactly 
you know, like the source material, if you if you're trying to establish things for an audience to go with, the, I mean, there's just the certain end, things. So at the end, it, just, it doesn't matter anymore. Well, I guess at that point, they, then they, then they don't get another chapter to fix it. Like they don't, mm. they don't yeah. have that. Like, how do we even get from the end of X Men Last Stand? Or which oh that didn't happen anymore. How do we even get to some points where like right. supposedly Professor X kills the X Men and, and Logan, and then we get to this weird future? Like how do we get there? We don't know. Chalk it up. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Yeah. We're never going to get the ending that they intended. So it but is. See, what I it always is. consider Logan's uh, its own thing. Okay, anyway. you're talking about Logan that, the movie. Correct. That last, yeah, I consider yeah. it's own thing. That anyway. was a really good movie. It that, was. That was I, I mean, also really I, I agree with Brandon. Mm. It's sort of like if you were in the Max series of the of the Marvel stuff or whatever. It's it's a different kind of movie altogether. But um, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm with Brandon and Julian on this because Julian's right, but Brandon's right in the movie context. You should try to make things knit together. At this point, though, who knows how they could have? So, yeah. mm. but can we talk about Nightcrawler hulking out and like psycho killing everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of continuities that are different, when he's like living in a church in one of the movies and he's like all peaceful and like, I don't want to hurt anybody. And then in this one, he's just like, you hurt somebody or you killed somebody or whatever it was that set him off. I forget. Did he kill the black guy? That's right. Yeah. Killed the guy who helped him out. Whose kid was a fan of Nightcrawler. I was hoping he wasn't going to die. I know. And his kid was a fan and then he lets them loose and then he gets killed and Nightcrawler's like, oh, it's on. And he just. Psycho hulks out and kills every freaking alien Dance in the, the place. In front of the train, stabs him with, <laughs> like the, with the tail. Like he cross. stabs him with his tail, yeah. and I mean that was it was really cool. But whoa, swashbuckler Kurt. Yeah. You never saw that in the movie before. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that's one of his things. Like yo, when Nightcrawler goes pirate. Yeah. He goes full pirate. <laughs> and it's impressive. Yeah, he went full pirate. You know something else I liked um, was that. Storm had more to do in this movie because Storm was basically furniture in Apocalypse. <laughs> you know? And uh, here it was like, oh, it's really Storm. And she was teaching classes and interacting with the team and had more than like five lines Give of dialogue. Advice, you know, you know? Yeah. yeah, she was That's actually really like something. saying things that made sense in the context mm-hmm. of the movie to other characters that maybe influenced them. That was fair, you know. Yeah, yeah some tactical action, you know. Yeah. I bet I bet that actress was mad. Alexandra Ship. Yeah. yeah. I bet she was mad because you know, now she's done. It was like, wait, I was just growing into this role. <laughs> wait a second. I mean, and the, she could, I suppose, lobby Marvel, you know, but who knows what Marvel's going to do. They, do anything, gonna do. they yeah. have this whole, mm. like, this whole concept of uh, various universes. They could do whatever they want. So I know what they're going to well, do with the we don't actually X-Men, have guys. it yet. No, no. I, I know what no, they're going to do. Are you guys ready? I know what they're going to do. They're going to reboot it. And start out all the way at the beginning, X Babies. <laughs> X Babies! That will be the next movie, and it'll be amazing. And then they'll be like, continuity? What continuity? We're starting from the very beginning, guys. X Babies. Yeah, there, there are times when the fact that you have all this stuff as source material is not <laughs> necessarily always desirable or positive. Yeah. But I was going to say, Yuli, to comment on what you were discussing earlier about the Shi'ar mm-hmm. Empire, now that we have like everything that's been established thus far uh, galaxy-wise in the mm-hmm. MCU, we can now actually do the Shi'ar Empire like to its fullest potential. So that, 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 that would be pretty cool to we see. We can, you know. Well, it, this is one of those things Gladiator, where... all those folks. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. I imagine Warner Brothers would have something to say about all that. Uh, uh, although, actually... If Marvel and uh, maybe somebody's listening, if they get uh, the Imperial Guard out quick enough, maybe they can sue DC when Ooh. DC ultimately does Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> this is too much like the Imperial Guard. <laughs> they're a little bit too different, though. Like they're clearly mm-hmm. the Imperial Guard is based off of the Legion, but yeah. the whole setup is different. Like the Imperial Guard is like you some alien soldiers. <laughs> the Legion of Superheroes got like you know. They're like they're just a Justice League in the future in is Star it, Trek. Is it also because yeah. the Legion of Superheroes is more accurate in shooting? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, but I just think like you know you got Superboy involved. It'll, like yeah, it'll, mm-hmm. I don't I don't even think the Shi'ar might even really get used heavy. How many alien races they got to use? Like they just started with the Kree and the Scrolls. Yeah. They ain't even used the Novas yet. 
Not really. Could, you, could yeah. you imagine if they made a Marvel movie that was just all the like outskirts alien races, the ones that are just there to basically like make the superheroes shine or give them a plot point or whatever? Isn't so you've got like the Nova and the sh- but no, no, you did not the Guardians, just like all the other. And it's like, oh, surprise, we're making new superheroes out of these people where all you thought they were was background material mostly. Except for uh, Professor X did fall in love with one of them, didn't he? Yes, well, so the, I, that, the the the, the princess, right, princess right. Lalandra. Yeah, but she, you know, you couldn't even put her in there. Just make all new like characters out of it yeah that'd be weird that musical theme means that it's time for us to take a short break because of course WERA is a community radio station and Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington but hey part of what that means is that it's a place where you can get involved Please visit the website at WERA.FM to find out all the myriad ways that you can become a part of this wonderful institution that is Community Radio. So, we're going to step aside momentarily while we acknowledge the invaluable contribution of our underwriters. We're also going to take the opportunity to promote some of the other WERA shows coming up later today. But stick around because we'll be back with more Fantastic Forum right after this. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA. 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by comics writer, author of The Underfoot, The Mighty Deep, Emily Witten. Also from Movers and Shakers Unlimited, Brandon Troy and... The redoubtable Julian Lytle of Ignorant Bliss Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of the show. And we were just talking about X-Men, Dark Phoenix. But you know what? I've got another review that I've got to get in here. (laughs) And I'm going to go earlier rather than later. But a bunch of stuff happened uh, this week. Uh, Some of the stuff that I mentioned in the opening of the show as I was talking about genre-related news. And some of that we're going to talk about here in the second half of the show. I mean, most notably, uh, I, I, how many of you all have been paying attention to this DC Universe streaming service? Anybody? Me! Uh, Doom oh, okay. Patrol! Yeah, yeah. Well, one it's of the... It's my favorite thing. Well, there you go. One of the shows on DC Universe uh, is, sort of, was Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing oh, yeah. dropped on March 31st. On June 6th, it was canceled. So, you know, <laughs> just that, like comics. Hey, you know, but that's one of the things that we're going to talk about. Anyway, um, something else that is uh, kind of big just opened yesterday. It's Men in Black International. And uh, mainly because I've got to get this review in. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going to uh, hit that review of Men in Black International right now. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Another of the myriad comic book adaptations out in the world today is the Men in Black series. The comic books were written by Lowell Cunningham, drawn by Sandy Carruthers, and originally published in Air Cell Comics in 1990. This was an exceptionally short-lived comic series that probably would have been totally forgotten but for its adaptation into a major motion picture in 1997. The movie was a critical and commercial success that spawned two sequels, an animated cartoon, various comic reprints, and helped establish the career of Will Smith as one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. It was also nominated for three Academy Awards and won the Oscar for Best Makeup. And while the sequels didn't make quite the splash of the first movie, the series was well established enough that it continued over a period of 15 years. I never read any of the comics, and there were more published after the release of the first movie. Aircell was purchased by Malibu Comics, which was later acquired by Marvel. And I wasn't expecting too much from the latest in the series, Men in Black International. After all, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones are a pretty tough act to follow. Men in Black International ends up being a very pleasant surprise. It is a well-structured, funny, exciting movie that will keep you entertained and engaged. Molly becomes aware of the Men in Black as a child when her parents are neuralized after an alien breaks into the family home. Neuralizing for the uninitiated is when the agents use their device that wipes the short-term memory. Very handy to have, as you might imagine. 
Molly escapes having her memory wiped. After she grows up, she carries on a determined search for the organization that inspired her. Finally locating and actually penetrating the New York headquarters, she begs to join the ranks of the men in black. And her persistence, tenacity, and exceptional qualifications so impress the leadership that Molly is granted probationary status as an MIB agent. Molly, dubbed Agent M, is teamed with Top Agent H on what starts out as a rudimentary assignment but escalates into something much bigger. The two MIB agents must learn to work together if they are to overcome a threat to the entire planet. One obstacle for this film was that the previous entries in the series were all masterfully helmed by Barry Sonnefeld. But it turns out that director F. Gary Gray has what I'd describe for want of a better term as an innate feel for this material. He has a vision for the film that keeps everything together. And the screenplay by Matt Holloway and Art Markham is well written, providing ample character development and motivation along with good pacing and attention to craft. There were some obvious cliches that were avoided and a couple of plot twists that were unexpected. The cast is generally outstanding, led by Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth, who exploit their chemistry after having worked together previously. Both their stars are rising, and they demonstrate why here. Supporting roles are ably filled by such established stars as Liam Neeson and Emma Thompson. You'll also find Rafe Spall, Rebecca Ferguson, Kayvon Novak, and Spencer Wildley. The twins, Larry and Laurent Bourgeois, are standouts as a pair of alien bounty hunters, and they even get to dance, too. And Kamel Nanjiani delivers an exceptional vocal performance that makes the movie. The effects are terrific, and Danny Elfman is joined by Chris Bacon in providing a wonderful musical score. The runtime of 154 minutes is very manageable. It's rated PG-13 for action, adventure, comedy. There's no nudity or profane language, and the overt sexuality is kept to a minimum and not gratuitous. Nor is it a particularly violent movie. I'm mindful of taking children younger than about 10 or 11 to a PG-13 rated film, but you'll probably be okay for this given the interwoven comedic elements. A nice surprise and a film that could reinvigorate the Men in Black series. Three out of four stars. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official Fantastic Forum review of Men in Black International, which uh, opened in theaters nationwide yesterday. All right, so now that I've got that out of the way, and, um, oh, Emily, there was something that you had wanted to mention about Dragon Con, some Star Trek Discovery actors. Ooh, yeah, I just I saw mm. yesterday they announced four at least Discovery actors from the Star Trek Discovery, and Anson Mount, who's Pike, who I love, is going to be there, and then um, the guy who plays Lieutenant Tyler, and um, oh, there's two other ones at least, and so I just I just thought that was pretty cool. I'm excited. Wait a minute, they're going to have um, Lieutenant Tyler. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure. But I also, I want Tilly. Where's Tilly? I want Tilly and I want the alien queen. Back up a second. Is the character's name Jose Tyler? I, uh, look it up. (laughs) Okay. No, no, I'm curious because, I mean, did he come over? I mean, you watched the show, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. All right, see, because I don't watch Discovery. I haven't seen, I've seen like the first 45 minutes of the first one because I had DVR'd it when they aired that one on CBS. Yeah. But there was an NFL overrun, and so my DVR only recorded like the first 45 minutes. And they've got, yeah, Security Chief Lieutenant Tyler played by Shazad Latif. Oh, so Um, they don't have his full name there? Um, Okay, no, the reason I asked, the reason I'm I asked is... I'm looking up what's is, on the Dragon Con thing and reading oh, it to you. Oh, I, I thought you were looking at, like, IMDb <laughs> no, or something that was going to happen. All right, no, Dragon Con ain't going to have done that. Wait, 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 hold on, And then Emily Coots is going to be there, who's, uh, who's Lieutenant Detmer, and then Spock, uh, Ethan Peck. Is going to be there because Jose Tyler is so mighty in the in the original exactly original time. Thank you exactly. That's why it's a a moment Mm -hmm. like just same way when they got a pike is like oh so we actually getting up to the point where he done like in the pilot and he gets hurt. Oh, there's some there's some interesting stuff about Pike and the current past continuity in season two of Discovery. I'll like, watch that show one day. It's it's a, yeah, it's a good it's a good show. I yeah, like it a lot. One of these days, but when I want I don't have Tilly. To pay for I want it. I want Tilly to be there, and I want the alien queen to be there, and I want the um the engineer, who oh what's her name Jet Jet something. She's really good. I want a whole show that's just Pike and Tilly and the alien queen and Jet. You They're might so you good. might get your wish. I mean, you know, from <laughs> what I've heard, this guy Anson Mount 
has really knocked it out of the park with his uh, portrayal of Captain Pike. And yeah, it's he's really good. Resonated with a lot of fans. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I got, I got, I got mixed feelings about it all because I'm, I'm something of a um, uh, originalist. Um, mm. You know, so I, it's not, it's not really Star Trek. You OG trekking. Yeah, basically. Oh, yeah. life is so hard when you can't enjoy new things, Yuli. I mean, to be fair, I'm not nearly as invested as you are, but I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed watching it. And then Pike came in and slayed, and I was like, I love this. And how then Tilly got even more exciting, and then the engineer came in, and I was like, nope, I'm invested how now. Do, how does Tom feel about it? Because uh, Tom he, knows he what also, he's talking he about. He also loves Pike in this. I'm oh, okay. not even kidding. He okay. said, right. I told him he was mm. coming to Dragon Con, and he said, that might be my celebrity picture that I get. <laughs> so, Yuli, you're on your own on an island by yourself. <laughs> no, no, look, I'm not saying that I, I'm, you know, it's, it, it, all right, here, here's the thing. It's not Abrams Trek, all right, which is not Star Trek at all. I mean, and in fact, it's not, because what I've heard, I'm very disturbed, apparently. Quinn Tarantino. yes. Quentin Tarantino <laughs> and Star Trek. I mean, if there was ever, that's like putting something bad on pizza. I mean, I just can't Some even you know, something. But yeah, I was gonna you know because you can't call. I mean, like because a lot of people like messed up stuff on pizza, but this is like putting dog feces on pizza. Wow. Somebody Ew. out there, somebody out there would like. Oh, you don't like dog feces on pizza, but it's great. You know, no. Yo, that's Quentin Tarantino ain't dog feces. He got fire movies, bro. Oh look, but I don't think look, he's right for. Track, I don't think though. he's like. For, neither do I. Because my thing is like, exactly. why you cur- like? It's the future, a. Their curses shouldn't even be the same as our curses. If I hear one F S M F, I'm like, hold up, no, 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 no. We don't curse like we do in the in the 1700s. Then I don't, I don't want, I don't even know. They don't, they ain't never curse because it's the future. We beyond that, man. We talking to aliens. What's cursing gonna mean when you talk to alien? They don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, that like, is a good point. I like yo, say. I'm just thinking logically on way like people work. I'm like, this don't even interest. Now a Quintetino Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I can't. Yeah. I can't totally, cursing. I can't totally hmm. talk for Tom here. He actually also had a problem with the cursing on Discovery, and he has thoughts on certain things. So I can't talk for him. I can just say we both like Pike. Oh, you can talk for him. <laughs> no, I totally can. He knows way more about <laughs> Trek than I do. Oh, yeah, but let me tell you something. You know, guys, wives, and girlfriends, they can always talk for him. <laughs> and let me tell you something. If the dude has anything to say, he gonna be cut down. <laughs> it's like, what do you, what do you mean? I can't. Do- I'm sorry, honey. Sorry. Are you so are you insinuating no. that I'm like dominating my relationship, Yuli? Because I don't think no, that's true. No but on the other topics any that we other were talking about, dominates any relationship. I, yeah, I, I think Yuli's projecting <laughs> yeah, over yeah, here. He's projecting. All right, no radio listeners, you heard a lot more than you expected today. Any relationship. <laughs> Hey, I'm gonna yeah. have Tom call it and tell you it ain't true. <laughs> but I will also on the same on the subject. I was yeah. saying Jet Reno. That's the character that I really like. Tig Nataro is a. Mm-hmm. That's the actress who plays her. And then Tilly, who's played by um, oh, what's her name? Uh, why am I Mary? Mary someone. Anyway, she, they they're really awesome too. And I hope that they bring them over to Dragon Con. And then I will just fangirl out and go to the panel and be so excited. But I, I guess I'm done with Discovery for now. <laughs> Well, uh, and there you have it. So, did anybody has anybody watched that one episode? Well, excuse me, they're going to show the entire season. But has anybody watched that? Well, I guess the first two are out. Actually, wait a minute. The uh, the third episode should have aired yesterday. Has anybody watched Swamp Thing? Okay, I was like, what are we talking about, Swamp Thing? <laughs> yeah. I no, I just think actually, it's funny that it was canceled. I didn't know it was it was out now, so I will I will have yeah. to go and watch it yeah. now that I know it's a thing. But well, it's it's not really a thing because it's canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, I guess so, I just thought that was funny. I don't even understand why. It's got one season though now. Yeah. Oh yeah. It'll, yeah. It so it'll be a, be a one season. season thing. It'll be like mm-hmm. all the Asian dramas in the world. They all have one season. It's I'm I'm not making that up. So don't, there you go. Swamp but, Thing and, uh, I don't know, Meteor Garden. But don't they know that they only have one season when yeah. they start? Yes, their, yeah. they See, do. They, I'm they just didn't, they didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know they only had one season you never when know they if did this thing. Yeah, you know? Hey, yeah. And in fact... Post Warner Media app. I was getting ready to say that that's one of the questions because Warner Brothers is launching. Everybody now has got a streaming service. In fact, I'm announcing here the Fantastic Forum streaming service. <laughs> Subscribe. But yeah, you know everybody's got a damn scre- streaming service, and they're all trying to get a piece of the the pie. And so the the question is, since Warner Brothers owns 
all this stuff, maybe Swamp Thing thing is going to migrate over to the Warner it's streaming service or something. It's going to be on the Warner app. <laughs> one season or not, mm-hmm. everything's going to be like oh, all yeah, the TNT shows, yes. all the Cinemax shows, yeah, they're all, all the HBO be on shows, the, yeah. mm-hmm. TBS, Cartoon Network, Adult hmm. Swim. Hmm. Everything hmm. that they own yes, will be on their on streaming the, service. On the, on the app. Wow. So, like, the way people are complaining, the way geeks are complaining, because, you know, they only think about their stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, they, they feel a type of way. But now, you know, as I get my crime shows, I'm good. <laughs> I get my claws, my animal kingdom, I'm straight. So Claws is actually a crime show? Yeah. Okay, I mean, I, I, I had wondered. Gangster it's about man. that gangster life yeah, in well, Florida. I had sort of wondered. I've seen Pushing ads for rock. it. It looks really interesting. I oh, just is haven't that watched what it doing? yet. They're they're selling drugs they sell, out of they, the nail salon. They selling them perks and they selling them zannies, bro. <laughs> <laughs> they pulling them money, bro. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's you know, my fandom. Crime TV. Yeah. Hey, look. I yeah, <laughs> I like I like I, some crime shows I, myself. We have to talk about that. ID. I could watch that all day. There have been times where, like, I've watched a couple episodes and come to find out that I've been sitting there all day watching <laughs> Investigation Discovery. I'm like, it's eight o'clock, and I look at it again. It's ten p.m. I mean, like, maybe what? let's be honest, and we all have issues because I've done similar things. With I'm like, oh, what time is it? Oh, I like well, crime shows speak too. Speak for They're yourself. Fun. You might might. My true guilty pleasure is the uh, Maury Povich show. <laughs> uh, you are not the father. All right. Well, look, 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 though. Let's in, in the few minutes we have left, let's get back to the actual genre for which we uh, are supposed to be talking about. So, yeah, Chip and Dale. Uh, huh? This is another thing that's getting rebooted now. Now, all right. Full disclosure. I didn't really care about Chip and Dale, what? the original Aww. Chip and Dale. You're not human. <laughs> I oh, know, sorry. I know. I cute, love Chip cute, and Dale. Chip, cute chipmunks, yeah. But but here's the thing. <laughs> this is a new, I mean, it reminds me of, because it's this new animation look that they want to do. Because, all right, now the original Thundercats, I was down with that. New Thundercats, that was some bull crap. No, it's not. And this is, <laughs> you should watch New Thundercats. New it's Thundercats? Way, no, it's, you, you're talking about like a, them funky looking things. It's a thousand, no, that's the new kid show. I thought you were talking uh, about. No, that's. That's what I was talking about. I thought about. you were talking about 2012. Oh, no. I'm talking about, was like... was dying every three episodes. No, I'm talking about this funky-looking oh, yeah. kids that's thing. Right. That's for the children. Let the kids oh, okay. eat. Okay, yeah. Let the kids eat. You know. Well, let, let the kids eat. You know. But it's the same kind of thing with Chip and Dale. You know, I mean, this new... I mean, I didn't really care. I mean, but this was part of, you know, the Annecy uh, International Film one of, Festival. One of our mutual mm-hmm. friends wasn't too happy with the look of it either, Ulysses. Oh, I think it looks fine. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't really new love the new free. animation yeah. style that I've seen for Chippendale. I've only seen like two pictures, but it just mm-hmm. looks it looks like angular in a way that's not appealing to mm-hmm. me. And it looks ugly in a way. But I mean I only saw two pictures, so I'll still look at it more and give it a chance to grow on me or whatever. Like I didn't like the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when the Ciro Nielli one came out on Nickelodeon two thousand twelve, was it or oh, no, fifteen? Twenty twelve turtles the, inspired. Uh which one no, but the one with uh with the kind of mixed animation style. It was I think it's two thousand fifteen or whatever it was. Anyway, I didn't like the first episode and then I watched it and about two thirds of the way through I was like, Oh, I love this. So I'll give it a chance but I didn't like it just from seeing the art. Well, I so. can decide just from seeing the art whether or not something's <laughs> going to be worth my You're time. You're so critical. <laughs> I got I to gotta have, I got to hear the voice like I see a move. So the yeah, fact that's that I haven't a good seen point. a move, I don't know what it is yet. But I know it's going to be on that Disney Plus app. Hmm. Yeah. How soon is that thing supposed to this uh, drop? This fall? Yeah. Yeah, that's really something. Another seven dollars a month now. Uh, <laughs> I hear you. Hey, look though, um, we are just about out of time, and before we go, I promised Emily that um, she would get to because you're going to be um, national. Uh, so I'll be at the American Library American Association Library annual Association conference, conference, which is this yes. coming, mm-hmm. not this weekend, but the one coming up after this. Mm-hmm. It's at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center, and I've got two panels Sunday, one at nine thirty on. Um, Choosing graphic novels for your community, and one at two o'clock on middle grade graphic novels, new titles for growing readers. And I'm really looking forward to being on those panels. I love seeing that the underfoot is in libraries now and checked out of libraries. That's my new hobby: is seeing if it's been checked out of libraries <laughs> in in different cities. Accidentally, some of my friends were telling me like, "Oh, look, it's in our library now." So I went and looked, and I was like, oh, "There's three copies in Denver, and two of them are checked out." I'm so excited! And so yeah, I'm really excited to be on a library and education 
oriented um, panel and or set of panels. So if anybody happens to be going to that, come and see us on the panels. Yay. Mm-hmm. All right. How is it you're not at Heroes Convention this weekend? Because I have only so many vacation days off, and oh. I went to I went to Denver Pop Culture Con, which was amazing and fun, and the first time I'd actually been at an artist alley table for an entire weekend, which was really hard to sit uh, in one place. Yeah. But I loved it. I met lots of cool people. I met people who'd read the book and liked it. It was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. All right. Um, Brandon, MoversAndShakers.com. Uh, yes. Uh, so um, there are a couple of shows that. If uh, just in uh, case you guys know, there are a couple of shows that we have done uh, recently. Um, Escape Velocity view for that is is up. Um, Denver Pop Culture Con with uh, um, Emily uh, came on board and, and talked about the show. Um, and we also have like San Diego Comic Con and many more shows to come. So just be on the lookout for that. Ooh, and my uh, Twitter social media, the Emily ESSE. I always forget that. Yeah. All right. Okay. And uh, Ignorant Bliss. Yeah, you can find out all the podcast ways of finding podcasts. (laughs) Okay. There you go. All right. So Fantastic Forum is also a television show. You happen to be, well, actually, I mean, we're on in New York and we're on in uh, Baltimore and we're on in D.C. and a bunch of places. But if you happen to be in Arlington, Virginia, you can check it out this weekend. Saturdays at 8, Sundays at 8 p.m. on Arlington Independent Media, Comcast Channel 69, Verizon Files Channel 38. Uh, I want to thank all of my panelists. I want to thank you for tuning in because... Uh, it's really uh, a wonderful labor of love to do this show, and we get such a kick out of it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it's all about being able to have people tune in and enjoy the thing. So uh, please, come back uh, next week. We're to, we're, right now, we don't have a re-air. Uh, I'm, I'm working on that, because I'd love to be able to tell you that, yes, you can tune in in the middle of the week and check the show out, but for right now, you can't. But um, yes. All of that, uh, we will be working it out, and uh, I hope to have a re-air date soon. But in the meantime, you can check out all of the content for Fantastic Forum if you visit uh, fantasticforum.tv. And we've got stuff separated uh, so that you can just look at an interview, or you can look at a toy and game profile, or you know what have you. A lot of really cool stuff. Anyway, um, please come back because we'd love for you to tune in or you can check us out as a podcast on the Great Geek Refuge. A lot of great content over there. So uh, thanks again and come back again. Same bat time, same bat station.